Hello, and welcome to Healing Trauma Mamas. I'm your host, Madon Wingo. Thank you for joining us as we share in our stories and experiences of healing from childhood traumas and birth traumas. Listen as we discuss our struggles, our failures, our strengths, and our victories, and all those lessons we've learned along the way. I'm Jeannie Bohall, and I live in West Texas near Madon, and um, our husbands work together. Uh, we've been married about almost 16 years now, and um, I have three girls. They are 6, 8, and 10. I'm a marriage and family therapist and um, went to school at um, ACU Online, Abilene Christian, and received my master's in marriage and family therapy. And so now I get to work with kids and families and adults and mostly focus on trauma. Yeah. Yeah. So so we've talked about this on the podcast numerous times before, but we have a great need for that um, in our society. And especially, I would say, your rural America that gets kind of pushed to the wayside um, a lot of times. And I know that's something that you're kind of passionate about in our small small town how there's there's still a lot of stuff that goes on and people need help and it's wonderful with you know after 2020 hit so much stuff went online mm-hmm. and now you can get therapy online yeah and i'm so thankful for that you know you do have telehealth now and everything but there is some aspects of that that in person therapy mm-hmm. you just can't beat like there's just this i can't imagine them doing like emdr therapy mm-hmm. um, through telehealth like they just my brain doesn't compute <laughs> how that would even work. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, we can talk about that a little more later. Um, but I'd love to maybe, you know, just tell us kind of, I guess, how you got to where you are. And if you don't mind sharing some of your personal experiences. I know you get to deal in your professional life a lot with different types of traumas. Mm-hmm. Um ranging from grown, you know, women and men to down to young children. Um, but I'd love to hear more about like how you even went in that direction to to work with with people with trauma and um, you know maybe what your past experiences have been. Yeah, so um, I was born uh, in the Seattle area, mm-hmm. and my parents uh, were very young, and so I did not get to have a normal um, birthing process, childhood anyway. Um, they were um, addicts, and so. Um, I was in the CPS system, and then my uh, paternal grandparents adopted me, so that was definitely a blessing. Oh wow! Yeah, and um, they were they were done with kids, but <laughs> I came along and changed that. Well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So um, yeah, I w- was uh, raised by them, and then my aunt and uncle also helped a ton, um, which was really helpful. And so um, with that, I had a school counselor that was really great, and she would pull us in for groups and um, different things like self-management and doing stuff within the school. And so with that, I was like, wow, I really want to be a school counselor. And so um, with uh, watching her and just seeing how much she made an impact on me, that was something that I wanted to do since probably very early on. And so I um, planned to be a counselor and wanted to do school counseling. And then we moved, or I moved to Texas. And so Texas requirements for school counseling, you have to teach two years. And so I went into school, um, got my bachelor's in psychology, 
and then did alt cert program to teach. And with that teaching, you see a lot of kids, a lot of different backgrounds. Um, it's really great because you get to pour into a lot of a lot of kids. So um, yeah, I've always thought teachers need to have some type of counseling. Yes. <laughs> I don't know how much they train, you know, teachers in those different aspects. Um, mm-hmm. But I would think that there's especially, well, I just think any age group, like there's so much that comes mm-hmm. along with that, that you may, they may come and confide in you about all kinds of different situations. Yeah. Um, so do, do they offer that training? Do you know just for teachers? So, yeah, they have like a trauma-informed care training. Mm-hmm. I know like a lot of times it's done online and they just watch a video. So it's not, in my opinion, not very helpful because yeah. it's kind of just click through and get done with this training, which I know teachers are super busy. So and then you can, you know, say that you're mm-hmm. trauma-informed. In yes. fact, I was just... I was just reading some stuff about that recently and how providers can quote unquote become trauma informed yet have no actual understanding or tools or resources and practice that they have actually working through situations, mm-hmm. you know, with clients. So I would assume the same thing. It's easily to easy to be done, mm-hmm. you know, as a teacher. Um, that's difficult though because time constraints they're super busy they have so many different trainings they have to go through I'm sure mm-hmm. uh, so you work with our children's advocacy center yes that's yes great. and that's um, a place where um, kids go when traumatic events happen usually it's sexual abuse physical abuse any kind of um, abuse within the home or outside of the home they come and get interviewed when there's something that's happened Um, And then they refer to counseling, which would be me. Okay. All right. That's great. So that's a great way that you're helping our community here in Sweetwater. Mm -hmm. Um, Can can we go back a little bit, please? I'd love to hear a little bit more about your beginnings because obviously your beginnings started out traumatic. Mm -hmm. So so you were... um, you were born to some addicts, mm-hmm. um, so I'm sure that that was major trauma to your body mm-hmm. um, from the very beginning. But then, um, were they involved in your life a lot, even though your grandparents actually adopted you? No. Um, my biological dad, he's he's actually still struggling and, and on the streets. So, oh, no. Yeah, so um, for him, it was kind of an in-and-out thing. Um, there were times where he would come over. Um, but my, my mom, my grandma, she was very careful with when he would and um, just mindful of his state of mind and being at that time. Sure. So depending on that, you know, she would decide if, if it was okay for me to see him or not, which I was thankful for. Were they very upfront with you? Yes, yes. So my parents, my grandparents, they um, tried to get me to call them grandma and grandpa in the beginning, but <laughs> I was adamant to call them mom and dad. And Aww. they were like, we're going to give up on this fight. So <laughs> she can call us whatever she wants. So yeah, I called them mom and dad. And um, my uh, grandparents were very helpful with everything. And my aunt and uncle were a huge part and still are in my life. And so um, I consider them like another set of parents. Oh, that's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome for them to help build to raise their niece. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sure that that meant a lot. Yeah, I was also in and out kind of of their house too. Um, eighth grade, I lived with them when they moved to Texas, which is kind of how I got here. <laughs> and then my senior year of high school, I was with them again. Wow. Yeah. That's great. 
So then throughout your growing up, so they were, how old were you when they told you? Or did, does, was it just always known that they adopted you? Like, do you remember them specifically setting you down at a certain age or? Mm, I, you know, I think I was very young. I know they tried to make it known from when I was asking questions because I would ask, did I come out of your belly? You know, to my mom. And she finally was like, no, this is what happened. And these are your parents. And she never spoke badly of them. Um, And so um, with that, it was um, just kind of something that, came out naturally so if I had questions or anything like that and so I remember I was I think in kindergarten age and um it was right after she really told me like Lisa's your mom and Dennis is your dad and that kind of Mm. thing and um Lisa had called um to talk to me and I threw the phone I was very upset because of just and just my mind piecing it together not anything that my mom had said about it you know about Lisa but it was just like wow this is happening and this is not you know how I thought it was yeah mm-hmm. yeah well look good for them for be, you know just making it just part of your life and just not making it like just a big deal at some point in time that they revealed but mm-hmm. they they just tried to sounds like they did a really good job raising yeah. you so yeah. that's awesome mm-hmm. so um a lot of times the girls especially that have had different things like that when they were growing up that have difficult teenage years how were your teenage years well I did go live with my aunt and uncle a few times I was wondering about that (laughs) yes eighth grade was tough and with them moving that was a big deal for me because I would go to their house on the weekends and they would take me on vacations because my parents were older so they could do a lot and I had my cousins that I call my sisters they're just so close to me and um, so that was a big deal. And then senior year of high school, um, kind of went a little crazy. So <laughs> gotcha. it's like, that I'll happens. just go live with my aunt again. And I feel so bad for them. They had to put up with a lot, but <laughs> I'm here now. Yeah. So <laughs> took it out. Yes. <laughs> well, it happens. You, you learn and mm-hmm. you grow, yes. right? <laughs> yeah. So you made it through mm-hmm. your senior year. Then you ended up coming to Texas. How soon after? Um, well, I was in... Texas my senior year and then I stayed they actually left yes so um, I met my husband through his cousin in Austin area he was in the police academy so saw him and thought he was cute and (laughs) we started talking and then they were like well just kidding we're going back to Washington they left and which it worked out great we moved to Dallas for a year and then we came to Sweetwater so oh that's Mm -hmm. great yeah wonderful yeah kind of it kind of catches you doesn't it yes <laughs> so then you guys how long did, did you wait till you had children so actually we had four years together in marriage before we got pregnant um that was a tough thing because my husband was married once before and they were not sure if they would have kids really? and so that was always something that was in the back of his mind like I don't know if this is even a thing or or what's going to happen and So going into it, we lasted about a year, and then um, we sought out some help. Mm -hmm. We went to Lubbock and did some fertility treatments. We did IUIs and um, took Clomid, all sorts of different tests, and everything seemed okay, but it wasn't like the perfect ideal. Yes, you guys will have kids. So finally they sat us down, and they were like, we don't know if this is going to work. Um, you may have to look into IVF and that's so expensive and we were so young and did not have, you know, high paying jobs at the time. So 
we weren't sure what we were going to do. So then we started looking into adoption Mm -hmm. and then went on my walk to Emmaus and then boom, got pregnant with Michaela two weeks after. Wow. (laughs) Can you tell us a little bit more about what the walk to Emmaus is? Yeah. So it's a weekend you go and it's kind of like a spiritual, um, thing that you go through and just really tap into um, your religion and your walk with God and it's neat lots of different people from the community do their talks and so they do a mix of Bible teaching and um, talk about their story and so the table that I was at (laughs) they were very focused on praying for us to have a child and at that point yeah our marriage was like really rocky and so I was like please don't just pray on our marriage and they were like no we feel like we need to pray for a child and Mm. yeah it was it was a pretty big deal so do you feel like it was rocky because you weren't able to get pregnant or was that just I think it was part of it yeah Yeah. it was part of it along with other things with work and personal life and just all of you know newly married couple Mm -hmm. struggles so yeah and really he was in the police academy when we met. Mm-hmm. So it was just struggling with him being in school, per se, you know, with the academy. Sure. And then whenever we moved to Dallas, that's when it really hit. The first day he went on duty, it was I'm like, sure. oh, there was a officer-involved shooting, and he oh. died. And I was like, oh, you're going to go to work now? Okay. That is so hard. <laughs> yeah. So after you guys, you know, you came home from the walk to Emmaus. hmm and then you got pregnant. Mm-hmm. How soon was it after? Uh, like a few weeks. Wow. Yeah, yeah that's amazing. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's wonderful. So how did that go then? It was good. Um, the pregnancy was pretty good. Um, I'm trying to remember. My husband's very good at remembering details and mm. dates, so I always have to ask him. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I know I had some water retention, um, maybe high blood pressure, but nothing too concerning. Good. And so um, I delivered um, in Abilene, which is about 45 minutes away. And um, when I did, I lost a lot of blood. And um, I did get an epidural, but they thought I wasn't sure of when to push, and so they turned it down. And so by the time it was down, I could feel quite a bit of it. And with it being my first baby, I didn't know what to expect and all of the things and I was worried. And so, um, after she came out, yeah, I lost a lot of blood. They almost had to do a blood transfusion and then I could feel all of the stitching up. It was really bad. And, um, he was, my doctor was like, Oh, we want to do a episiotomy. And I'm like, no, please don't like that. I don't care if I tear like that. And so Mm -hmm. luckily I don't believe he did. They said I tore, but not near as much as I would have with an episiotomy. So there's that. Um, and so she was okay. Her lungs were struggling, but um, I think my husband was worried the most because he could see everything that was going on, and he felt powerless to do anything. It's, and I was just listening to something today about that, how we don't discuss, you know, the trauma that the, the partners go through, mm-hmm. you know, especially when we've, even when we've had maybe a not-so-traumatic birth, that talking to them about how things appeared to them and from their mm-hmm. perspective, it gets overlooked a lot. So yes. I'm sure I've talked to my husband about that too, our first birth and how things were just, yeah, powerless mm-hmm. is, is a good word for that because it's very difficult and 
I know, you know, mamas feel that way sometimes too, just, you know, not in control, didn't get to do the things I wanted, mm-hmm. you know. Good for you for voicing up and saying, no, I don't want an yes. episiotomy. <laughs> um, so that's good. A lot mm-hmm. of times doctors don't ask. Mm-hmm. Um, so at least your doctor yes, said something. I was to so you. thankful for that. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so you had a little bit of control. So mm-hmm. that, that was good. Um, so did you bounce back? Did they didn't do the transfusion? No, yeah, they did not. I'm not sure if they gave me anything to help with that. I'm pretty sure they did. Um, I could feel myself going in and out of, like, consciousness, too, wow. during that time. It was looking back when he was telling, my husband was telling me all of that. I was like, oh, my gosh, I didn't realize all mm-hmm. of that was happening. But, um, yeah, after that, I mean, my oldest, she had a little jaundice. Mm-hmm. But other than that, she was she was good. Yeah, that's great. Mm-hmm. Good. Awesome. Yeah. Did she have to go to the NICU at all, or did they have you just come do... Just watched for the jaundice. Yeah, they just watched. Did she have to be under Billy Lights at all or anything? Um, like that? They just told me to put her in sunlight. Sure, perfect. And, that's, yeah, that's and great. I did, and it took a long time, but um, she was, um, oh, and she had trouble nursing in the beginning. So that was kind of a big deal for me because I was very set on breastfeeding. Sure. And so a week goes by, and they're mm-hmm. like, oh, I had a nurse come out that specialized in Good. helping with that lactation and I think so yes and oh she was so helpful she was so patient and came out and was like it's okay just be calm and you know all sure. that and it was it was a good experience to have her come out and so um after that my supply shot up and she Yay. ate a lot <laughs> okay. and that will help clear the jaundice too mm-hmm. because yes you know eating more input causes mm-hmm. more output and flushes everything out yes. so that's what helps with jaundice mm-hmm. but yeah so uh, she did fine after that and everything mm-hmm. was just pretty good you did mm-hmm. well the first year yes i think so good yeah my Great. husband helped out a lot which was really helpful well, that's wonderful yeah. <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah absolutely mm-hmm. yeah so between that and the next baby did everything go pretty well for you guys so we got pregnant about mm, year and a half to two years later we had our next one and so when we got pregnant so no more trouble getting pregnant no yeah. no quickly uh-huh. yeah nursed for a year and then a few months later boom got pregnant wow, again yeah. so <laughs> that was nice a nice uh surprise god fix that one yes <laughs> yes so we had um savannah and when she was born everything was wonderful the epidural was great. The birth was great. I couldn't feel anything, which was great. <laughs> and when she came out, they kind of turned, which I don't know if this is normal or not, but they kind of turned her to the side. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I couldn't see her face. Mm-hmm. And so it was very quiet in the room. And I got really worried. And I was like, what is going on? And um, nobody said anything. And um, it was my husband, his mom, and his aunt in the room. And my aunt, my mother-in-law is an OB nurse, and so she kind of whispered to the doctor, she doesn't know. And I didn't hear that, but that's what she had said. And so the doctor kind of came to me, and she said, oh, did anybody tell you that your daughter has cleft lip? And I said, no. And that was the first time, really since grade school, I had heard about it because there was a boy that had a surgery, and uh-huh. you know it was very early on that I'd seen that, and so that's the extent that I knew. Had you had any ultrasounds? So I did. So going back, we pulled one, and you can see the two lines, but nobody right. said anything. Nobody said anything. Wow. Now that we know what to look for, it was right. a great picture, but 
And they did it at that hospital, and we were like, man, I wish the ultrasound tech would have said, hey, Did you take it back to me? Like, look, you need some training. (laughs) (laughs) I should have. (laughs) But, yeah, so she was getting weighed, and I could see her face, and I was very worried because it looked very swollen, and I didn't know kind of what the status was on that. And so when she would eat and I'd try to nurse her, it would just go right back into her nose, and she would breathe it in Mm -hmm. while the nurses would just come in and suction it out and then leave and I was like she's she's turning purple like she's not eating and you're just okay and then they sent us home the next day no NICU no referral nothing I was very upset and so was my husband yeah Mm -hmm. for one you weren't prepared for this Mm -mm. you hadn't done any research you didn't know what to do Mm -mm. wow that's that's amazing yeah and they only had one um bottle I can't even remember what it's called but only one type of nipple and bottle for her, and it didn't work, obviously, because she was still, like, getting it into her lungs. So they didn't give you any type of plan or Mm-mm. anything of what to nope. do? No, so How I was scary. panicked. Yes. yes. And so luckily, my husband's aunt, she lives in Dallas, mm-hmm. and she's very much, like, researcher. She's like, I will help you guys, whatever you need. So she was already researching when she had left, like, different doctors Great. and specialists. Yeah, so we went to Children's. And they have a fantastic uh, surgeon there. So we I'm called. I'm so surprised they didn't transfer you over there. Or I am something. too. Yeah. Well, and when we called. <laughs> they were probably surprised oh, too. Oh, they were like, you, so you've done all your prenatals here. And I was like, no. And they're like, well, you're, you're behind. Like, we got to get you in. And wow. so Halloween, where we're on our way to, and she was born on the 20th, <laughs> rushing her over there so they could look her over and take pictures and see the status and they have an appliance called a NAM, and it's like a denture without teeth is mm-hmm. how I explain it. And um, luckily for her, it was just her lip and partial palate, so just that gum line okay. was what was separated. But hers was very severe, and so they wanted to get it started, but insurance didn't cover it. So, again, we weren't prepared. Wow. <laughs> but we were like, anything we need to do, we will do. So we did that, and then that meant every week going to Dallas, driving sure. a few hours to get it adjusted and the nose piece adjusted and that was that in itself was a lot especially for me and my husband just yeah with, and that's like yeah. a three and a half four hour drive mm-hmm. with a newborn yeah. yes so she got used to being in the one park. way <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah that's that's a lot wow mm-hmm. poor thing yeah yeah so it was nice though after she had the appliance put in it kind of blocked that gap and so she was finally able to drink out of a bottle but even them with all their different types, mm-hmm. it took three or four before she could actually hold it down. So, wow. yeah. Wow. Were you able to, I know a lot of times when people are faced with situations like that, they just go into a, a, a mode where they're just focused on mm-hmm. what, like just getting your daughter taken care of and getting her fixed. Was there ever a point where you finally, you remember where you finally like stopped and let everything kind of catch up with you and realize, you know? Yeah. I think that was pretty early on because in the hospital I was still kind of in shock with everything and surprised that they just let us go home with no plan. And um, after we got home and I was like, I don't feel like I'm doing this right. Like Mm -hmm. she's not eating. She's turning purple. The the nurses just came in real quick and zip, they were done. Why can't I do that? Mm -hmm. I want to nurse her. And so I was trying to pump and feed and then she wasn't getting enough anyway. So yeah, there was a lot of... um, 
self-doubt in myself. And also, I felt very guilty because mm-hmm. I didn't know why she had cleft. I thought maybe it was something I did or, you know, things like that. But luckily, when we went to the surgeon and we met with him just about her, he was like, no, sometimes this just happens. Yeah. And it could run in the family. It does not run in ours. So either one of ours. So um, just it just so happened to happen that way. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's hard. Yeah. I'm sure. Most most mamas would go back and look at everything. Is there something I did? Is mm-hmm. there anything? And then get in that research mode and start yes. looking up everything mm-hmm. you could possibly Why this find. could happen. Yes. yes. Oh, Google is not our friend when Mm-mm. it comes to those moments. No, don't though. do that for anything. You get down <laughs> lots of rabbit holes for mm-hmm. sure. So you got her taken care of. Mm-hmm. And everything's all good now. Does she still have to go to the doctor? Yeah. So she had her first surgery. I think she was three months old, two to three months old, which mm-hmm. that was super scary. But it, it was wonderful experience over there. And so after that, um, they met with her once a year. She has her own team. And um, it's really great because part of the team, they have a psychologist mm-hmm. on there. And so she's always checking in. How is she doing? Okay. How is her feelings? Yeah. Does she feel like different or different things like that and so she gave us some tips of like make sure to have lots of pictures from before the surgery and after the surgery and talk with her about it and be open and I feel like there's times where she's noticing because she's eight now like oh I'm different I have this scar Mm -hmm. but she knows it's okay like it's not something that's you know gonna really set her apart from everybody else and she's special so yeah absolutely Mm -hmm. that's great so yeah she'll have one more surgery we just found out recently uh, probably next year she'll have a bone marrow transplant and then they'll yeah do like a whole um reconstruction of her gum line yeah because there's still a gap because of her age as she gets older and and it gets wider and bigger or you know i don't know because Possibly. I know when we had her yearly appointment two years ago, mm-hmm. which they said yearly, <laughs> it began to be two years apart. But um, they said, no, she's good. She looks good. We'll wait. And then this last time, the ortho was like, yeah, we need to really look into this oh, some more. So, okay. yeah, the dentist we use um, in Abilene caught it earlier because she has an extra, well, we thought an extra tooth coming in. Mm-hmm. And so the surgeon said don't pull any teeth because any bone that we get we want to keep and so I was like okay oh wow yeah yeah it was really tricky and so we just went to Dallas and he was like well yeah she's probably gonna need that and I've heard it's myself I've heard it's so painful especially the bone marrow from her hip Yeah, yeah the extraction of that and so I'm just Luckily, she doesn't know. She's only worried because she has to get a tooth pulled because, okay, you know, yeah. <laughs> one's about to fall out, and that's Might all she heard. Might as well not cause yeah. her any no. extra ahead of time Yeah, about it, for sure. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow, oh, that's a lot. Yeah. Yeah, that changed your life. Yes, and then after that, just braces, and then maybe a nose reconstruction when she's about 17, 18, because your nose, nose grows when you right. get older. So, and that's about the time they said that they'll look at it and see kind of what she wants it. to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which wow. I think she will, because she's already noticed some things about it. Yeah. But I just say she's beautiful. Of course. <laughs> absolutely. Yes. Well, and she gets to be very unique. Yes. So that's mm-hmm. kind of nice. Not like any other of the mm-hmm. girls out there. Yeah. So, yeah. There's a play up on that for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well, so, and then you got to have little Miss Journey. Yes. Oh. she's my wild child (laughs) we all have one of those yes I thought my oldest was but journey came and you were wrong yes surprised (laughs) us all so yeah two about two years later again had journey um with her it was 
tough with her birth. Um, she came pretty fast, and so I did choose to get an epidural. Um, my epidural did not work, and so I was really adamant, like, this is going to work, and he came back in to try to, like, hurry it up and, like, oh, we need to get more medicine, and my husband just looks at me and says, you need to realize you will have her without any pain meds, and I was like, no, it's going to work, and <laughs> I was in denial for the whole time, uh, and then no. I was like, oh, no, it's happening, <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I was only numb to my knees, mm. and so I had her pretty much natural. I could feel everything. And so now looking at it, I definitely do not ever want an epidural again. Yeah. If I ever had one, if God blessed us with one more, I do not want it again because it was, it was a big hassle because after she was born, we found out she was about two to three weeks early and we didn't know that. And so her lungs were not ready. She was breathing very deeply, and we were very scared. And so they rushed her to the NICU. And so at that point, my epidural kicked in, and I could not move. Oh, and no. yeah, and so, so I couldn't, couldn't see her. her to the NICU. Mm-mm. No, yeah. my husband did, and so he able, he was able to hold her, and they washed her hair, you know, and all that up mm-hmm. there. And um, about that same time, there was twins that came in that were like high risk, and so they locked down the NICU and I didn't hear anything for 48 hours not one thing not an update nothing and I was panicked for sure wow Mm -hmm. that's crazy Mm -hmm. so the nurses didn't give you an update no nothing I can't imagine yeah I'd be scared out of my mind Mm -hmm. yes so at that point I would be playing all the things through my head oh something happened and they're not coming to tell me about it exactly yeah that would be awful all we knew is she was up there and then we didn't even know there was twins that locked it down yeah we just knew she was up there and it's locked down so yeah um, I think it was the next day was when they were like, oh, it's because there's twins. Well, well thanks for that one piece of information. Yeah, yeah for <laughs> <But> sure. now, <laughs> now that we're panicked. So um, they let me stay in the hospital, I think an extra day. Good. And then my husband brought our trailer up so we could stay close by. And so that was, that was a big moment is walking out with all of my things without my baby. And so even just flashing back to when I was wow. born – Nobody was there for a month, and I was by myself, and I was like, this is not what I wanted to happen. For sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awful. Yeah. Yeah. But so, where did you park the trailer? In the parking lot? <laughs> yes. Oh, <laughs> yes. In the parking lot, and I went up yeah. there every two hours, Absolutely. like clockwork, and so um, I think it was after day two, I want to say, uh, the nurses, were, they were so sweet. They were like, you know, you really need to get rest. Because I was not resting at all. I was mm-hmm. panicked and I was like, this this should be my job. I should be the one feeding my baby and waking up with her and all of these things. And I can't be right there with her. And she has to be in the incubator and all these things. And mm-hmm. they said, you really, just get some rest. It's okay. And so I went back to the trailer and slept really hard for about Good. six to seven hours. <laughs> Good. Mm-hmm. So then after, so how long did she end up staying? Um, She stayed, I believe, and this is where my husband would remember. Right. Exact days. I hear you. Yes. Yes. I think she's there a week. They were wanting to hold her uh, longer, but luckily her jaundice went away and her breathing was well and she was able to eat, which was great. And so then they let her go home. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Good. And so when she got home, everything was fine? Yeah. Yeah, everything was pretty good. They had to check her out some whenever mm-hmm. she came home. We talk, took her to the doctor in town, and then everything was okay. 
Awesome. Yeah. That's great. So yeah. I was very glad. <laughs> wow. So then how was it being a mom of three? It was a lot. <laughs> yeah. My husband had to help a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, especially with Savannah and her cleft, it was hard going back and forth. And then Journey was born, and she was still having to go back. And luckily not as much, and her mm-hmm. surgery was done. But, um, yeah, it was hard juggling everything. And then I felt like all of the focus was on Savannah, and then all of the focus was on Journey. And so I was worried that Michaela would be left out or Savannah would be left out because Journey was born, and it's hard to – it's hard for mom to keep her time of full. course mm-hmm. yeah and then rest at mm-hmm. some point yes and then there's a husband in there yes and work yes <laughs> all of it goodness gracious mm-hmm. yeah so we were continuing to work through all of this yes um wow six weeks after they were born I went back for all three of them and I'm very sad because I wish I would have been able to stay home and now looking back my husband is like man I wish we could have made it work or yeah. you know just did it anyway because it's for really sure. important in those first few years yeah, that's hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but sometimes you're just in the moment and mm-hmm. you do what you think is yeah. best at that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So how have things been since then? Really good. Um, I know just watching my own daughters, um, I've noticed like some anxiety flare-ups in them mm-hmm. or uh, mostly my older two. Uh, my oldest has ADHD, we found out. Um, so getting that situated and um, it was tricky with her and I feel like this is a lot of kids because sometimes you know ADHD and anxiety go hand in hand so you don't ever really know is it the anxiety that's flaring up or is it the ADHD and so when she was very young she would get in trouble a lot at school because she was very like scattered and hard to pay attention and stay in one spot and so we chose to um, try her on some medication and that did not go well I was very against you know, getting medication for yeah, her for sure. and especially, you know, over the, you know, through the doctor and, um, cause we tried every natural thing and it just wouldn't work, but, um, it made her very angry, the come down of the medicine. And I was like, you know, we can handle her little hiccups here and there, sure. but I don't want to do this all the time and it's messing with her body. So we're not going to do this. So a few years roll by, She's still having some of those issues. Her teachers are saying, you know, it's really hard for her to stay focused. And I'm like, well, maybe it's her anxiety. Because I know with me, if I'm anxious, I am going to have a hard time paying attention to what anybody says. Yep, for sure. (laughs) Yes, so they put her on Lexapro, very, very small dose, 5 milligrams. Mm -hmm. And that that just takes the edge off just enough and perked her up and she's good. So I noticed when she's not on it and she's, she's okay with taking it now. She's very embarrassed, you know, private about her life, but (laughs) yeah, but she knows, she notices when she, she needs it as well. (laughs) Wow. Well, so, um, they're growing sweet little girls Mm -hmm. that you have growing. Mm -hmm. So how do you think, um, your job, first of all, um, but also your life growing up, obviously, you know, you had a lot of things going on. How do you think that has affected your parenting? So, um, I am very open with all three of them. My mother-in-law laughs because she's like, man, they, they already know everything already. (laughs) (laughs) They're just so knowledgeable about all the things. And (laughs) I'm like, yes, because that's how my mom was with me. She wanted to tell me all of it. And I wanted them to make sure, um, that they could come to me if they had any questions because a lot of times kids, when they get older, they start asking friends or hear people talking about different things and then they either look it up themselves or find out through other people and I did not want that. We don't want them to find out. Yes, yes. So I make sure they know that 
ask mom or dad. Usually they come to me because it's easier. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, yeah, so that definitely has come into play with them. Also, um, when I worked at CPS, so that was before teaching, graduated from uh, Hardin Simmons with my psychology mm-hmm. degree. And so I was like, oh, I'm, I'm going to go do CPS because that's kind of, I don't know if I felt like I was paying it back because I was through the system some or what, mm-hmm. but it, it was near and dear to my heart. So I'm like, I want to do this. Well, the training for that is pretty intense. Is it? Yeah. And so you just see and hear a lot of things. And so with that, there was a video we had to watch that included a child that was about the same age as my oldest. And so I am, and I think, no, that was before I was pregnant, but I would just started bawling. And I noticed oh, no. I am the only one crying in here nobody else cried and they were a lot younger than I was but I was like what is happening but it was because of the Mm -hmm. video and the tie and so that's also what I've noticed with even my husband working at the schools like anytime anything's involved with kids that are our own age it's very triggering for us and we are way on hyper alert noticing all the things Mm -hmm. yeah that's hard yeah because you're just, of course, as a parent, you're automatically thinking, what if that was my kid? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how would I handle that? Yes. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. people would be dead. Yes. <laughs> That's all I can say. <laughs> yes. yes. I mean, it's really, really difficult. Mm-hmm. And you have to hear, just like our husbands, they see the worst in mm-hmm. a lot of people. And you get to hear and see a mm-hmm. lot of things that, you know, most people have no clue about and would never hear it. How do you compartmentalize that? Mm. Well... With my childhood, I have um, learned to dissociate some. Yeah. <laughs> so check out. Um, sometimes In a good that's way good. Well, I say sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's bad. Uh, yeah. <laughs> a lot of times, my husband will be like, "Where did you go? I don't know what's happening right now." <laughs> mm-hmm. But he just keeps talking now because he knows I'll just come back. But um, yeah. So with that, hearing stories all day from different kids and families, and then his stuff and it's it's really hard so I really try hard to um process it when I can because if I shove it down it's gonna come up some way or another and it's usually I tell people this all the time in the way you don't want it to or at the time you don't want it to because you're overloaded or stressed Mm -hmm. that'll trigger more yeah so Mm -hmm. so so you don't you try your best not to bring it home with you and try to just like let let it go at that point in time so you don't hold on to it and it come out later. Yeah. Um, sometimes I'm able to do that. Other times it's helpful because my husband knows a lot of what's going on. And so we process together. Um, and that has been really helpful. So finding somebody to do that with. Um, or even I went to my own counselor and just said, Good. man, this was a tough week. You know, things like that. And um, that's been helpful just to, to talk it through with somebody that understands. Yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of stigma about that. The counselor needs a counselor, mm-hmm. right? We, we joke sometimes that the midwife needs a midwife. <laughs> <laughs> I had a friend a while back that who's a midwife, and she, she called me up and just I said, thank you, I needed a midwife in that moment. I yes. appreciate it. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, the same thing mm-hmm. with you. You know, you need somebody to talk to. Talk to. You need mm-hmm. somebody to be able to, to share and kind of let some things go sometimes. And a lot of people don't have what you get to have with your husband and mm-hmm. where you both might actually both be involved in Mm -hmm. the same situation and so you both know what's going on with it and you're able to to kind of just unload with each other and kind Mm -hmm. of walk through it and discuss and you're both probably dealing with a lot of the same emotions Mm -hmm. especially like you said if it's with 
a child that's similar to one of your girls is yes um age and it's hard because every child you think about like oh that could be my kid Mm -hmm. you know and that that makes it really difficult to be able Mm -hmm. to process I'm sure so can you give us any type of techniques for anybody any of our listeners out there that might deal in a job where they have to maybe hear or see some hard things i mean i know just if we talk about in the healthcare industry mm-hmm. i know people are going to see all kinds of things but we were talking earlier about just working in a school mm-hmm. right and how many different things in fact your husband is the sro mm-hmm. um at our middle school and you're working in the school too mm-hmm. and the different things that you get involved with just being in a school setting because there are children there and there's so many other careers where you are involved with children you know what's some maybe techniques or some some ways that those providers can work through that i would say um try to catch it early on Mm -hmm. if you can i know sometimes it pops up later on um, and you may think oh this isn't gonna bother me you know um, but it might creep up later. So um, even your spouse might notice it, mm-hmm. you know, a different ch- mood change or um, anything like that within yourself. And so um, just don't be afraid to find somebody either you can confide in or do some research and find a provider, a therapist that is able to specialize in trauma or things like that. And so um, you, you won't shock them. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I tell all my kids. You're not going to surprise me. It's okay to mm-hmm. share. And so crazy enough, I feel like that's why a lot of them like to go talk to my husband because he is a quote unquote cop and has seen a lot of things because a lot of times people that have went through traumatic events or seen things like that, they don't want to share it because they don't want to shock the other person. Mm-hmm. So having somebody that specializes in that is very helpful. Yeah, that's that's great. That's mm-hmm. that's good. Find some resources in mm-hmm. your area mm-hmm. to be able to go to. Um, are are there any ways that um, I know that we've talked before about different type of techniques to work through trauma? Mm-hmm. So, say any of our um, listeners may have had some trauma themselves, and maybe mm-hmm. they're waiting to get to see a counselor, mm-hmm. or um, that's just not something they're able to do at this time. Is there anything that they can do to try to help work through and do some mm-hmm. processing on their own? So, one of the things that I usually mention first would be it's very cliche, but journaling. Sure. Um, yeah. It's very good to go back if you have something pop up and you're like, oh, I don't know what's going on. Then Mm -hmm. just walk it through before, during, and after to try to see kind of what the trigger was. And then if you really want to get in depth, just start doing a timeline because a lot of times there's things that we may not have thought, oh, this didn't affect me. But it really did because it's popping up now. And so those are two things that I would suggest. And then... um, depending on whatever the symptoms are, anxiety or dissociating or whatever it is, there's definitely good grounding techniques. Um, You can research that. It's just basically deep breathing, noticing things in the room to keep you grounded, like in the moment, because sometimes we get lost in our thoughts and we ruminate on Mm -hmm. our thoughts. And that's not always good when we have, you know, kids and home and you want to be present yes yes and also your brain is going to naturally do that and so if it does plan a time 30 minute block in the evening okay i'm gonna have my journal time or my coffee time or whatever and mom's gonna be gone for a little bit and just meditate pull up a youtube video you know different things like that 
whatever works. I think a lot of times um, that journaling, especially like when we're younger, like that mm-hmm. might be something we naturally do or even, you know, it's encouraged through school, you know, keep a diary, keep a journal, you mm-hmm. know, write lots of things. And then we kind of get out of that. Most of us do mm-hmm. um, as we get older. But I've learned that myself. Yeah. Trying to get back into that. It, it's it's really good. Mm-hmm. I mean, just jotting down your thoughts mm-hmm. it can be helpful sometimes. And, and yeah, you might surprise yourself sometimes, mm-hmm. but that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, another thing you mentioned I was thinking about is that you talked about listening to what's going on with your body. Mm-hmm. I think that's something that in our society especially, we've gotten really far away from. Mm-hmm. Um, being able to recognize stuff that's happening in our own body. Where I think we've gotten so used, especially let's... Let's just talk about moms mm-hmm. in general, right? <laughs> how much do we suppress mm-hmm. how we're really feeling or the things going on? Or, yeah, I got a pain in my knee, but I'm not going to do anything about mm-hmm. it because my kid needs braces yeah. or because of this, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. And there's so often we just push ourselves aside and we don't address the situation or we think we can deal with it later. Mm-hmm. And we don't even learn how to recognize that things are building up, like, say, anxiety, like mm-hmm. we talked about recognizing that something is starting within us, that that Mm -hmm. anxiety is happening, that um, this could be from a trauma response from something, which which trauma, there's something I heard today that I really thought was was a neat um, thought to to thank you, Caitlin Fusco, I heard on your podcast, um, (laughs) just talking about how trauma is is not just an emotion Mm -hmm. it's a physical response Mm -hmm. um so we talk about you know having a trauma response you know Mm -hmm. and people like okay they started crying about something or but no it's a whole body Mm -hmm. response and not just you know an emotional component how do we get to being able to recognize that and and see what's going on within ourselves Mm -hmm. So really, again, journaling, trying to figure out what's happening before Mm -hmm. sitting down. Okay, what is what does anxiety feel like? What am I doing? Where is it in my body? Mm -hmm. Um, How long does it last? All those are very important things. Um, Also, if your spouse notices something um, or your partner, that's probably going to help you a lot because they could be like, hey, you're kind of on edge when really they're not saying, hey, quit being rude or whatever. (laughs) It's hey, I notice. Yes. I noticed that you're different, you know, yeah. something's going on. And so, so down. Mm-hmm, yeah. Gotcha. Or say, Hey, what do, what do you see in me? How am I acting? Cause a lot of times it can come out in anger. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I've seen that anxiety on children, you know, come out as anger. Yes. You know, I, I have a, I have a child that, that does that often. And then I'll be like, Whoa, 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 you're overstimulated right mm-hmm. now. I can tell. And, and mm-hmm. you don't like that you have social anxiety and I mm-hmm. can tell that it's coming out that way. But adults have that. Mm-hmm. That happens often. And what might even come out as, as rage mm-hmm. um, is really more anxiety or depression mm-hmm. and not what we consider like just emotional rage. Right. Um, there's something else involved with it. Yeah. And I think you were right too. Like with anxiety, they may think, oh, we're just worried all the time or depression. You're crying mm-hmm. all the time. Like it's not, it doesn't look the same for everybody. So just noticing within yourself and then not always just going to Google to look it up, Don't but go to going Google. to your doctor <laughs> yeah, and going to a therapist that specializes in it can really give you a full picture and find out exactly what is going on because it could be something completely different. It could be like a mood thing. It could be um, hormonal. Sure. That's something to always check out too. 
Sure. So I know um, I was thinking about resources, which we can definitely link some resources for anyone thinking so you don't have to Google and you can go to some actual resources. Um, locally, um, what if we have any local listeners in the Sweetwater, Abilene area, is there some good resources around here that you'd recommend? Yeah, so um, I actually help with the Nolan County Renewal Project. Yes, I'm yeah. an executive director, so we have uh, three counselors, one including myself uh, now, that helps uh, go around and connects with different um, organizations here. And um, I know the hospital has a counselor there, and there's one private practice also in town. Other okay, than great. that, it's going to be Abilene. Yeah. It will be our closest. Or you can do telehealth. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's a great thing that we mm-hmm. have now. It's wonderful. So if somebody was able to do telehealth, is there a specific website or somewhere that they could go to? Um, so I know betterhelp.com sure. is one. Um, I'm actually signed up through there. Mm-hmm. I have not seen anybody yet, but um, they really like fine tooth comb who they sign up to be a provider on there and they make sure that they're you know in your state licensed so that way it's a right match and that they specialize with what you need and that I'm not getting paid by them at all but I feel like that's a good website sure (laughs) to go to and one that uh came up to my mind while we were just now you were talking about it um if any mamas are postpartum Mm -hmm. um there's also postpartum support international Mm. um that you can go to and they may not exactly have a list of say counselors or therapists in your area but they have people that they can target from your your um, area knowing where you are you mm-hmm. know your town or whatever and they have people who are volunteer and are trained in that area to know where all the resources mm. sources are for you mm-hmm. so they can give you a person in your area that is trained to know where all the resources are that's good. um so yeah and you can mm-hmm. reach them 24 7 mm-hmm. so any mamas out there who are dealing with any postpartum depression anxiety rage like we talked about mm-hmm. anything like that or even that you know your birth you're feeling traumatic you know Mm -hmm. that it was a traumatic event or sometimes we don't recognize that we're having a traumatic response or some type of trauma response um and maybe you just start recognize that oh every time somebody mentions birth or Mm -hmm. i start to try to talk about it i can't talk about it or Mm -hmm. i fidget or Mm -hmm. i have to talk really fast through it real Mm -hmm. quick or i have to justify it real quick and we're not allowed to just you know be in the space responses like that that means there's an issue Mm -hmm. and you need to be able to discuss it with somebody so reach out you can always reach out to your provider first Mm -hmm. talk to them whether it's your OBGYN family practice doctor or your midwife Um, reach out to them for sure again just like Jeannie said you're not going to tell them something they haven't heard before you're not going to shock them Mm -hmm. they're not going to be so surprised that some mom is dealing with some depression Mm -hmm. or anxiety it happens mm-hmm. and they should be trained um, in that. Mm-hmm. And if you feel like they don't respond in a manner that you would have liked or given you resources, reach out to someone else. Mm-hmm. Um, absolutely. So if you don't see somebody local, then go to Postpartum Support International, go to Better Health. Um, Find somebody. What you don't need to do is just sit there in it. Mm-hmm. You need to find somebody you can talk to about it for sure. Yeah, that also goes for therapists too. There's a lot of times where people will, you know, research and think, oh, this is the right one. And then they go and they meet and it's not at all what they thought it was going to sure. be. I've done it myself. I've met with a few and I'm like, this is not 
who mm-hmm. I feel like I need to be with. So mm-hmm. I was afraid to just stop going because I didn't want to hurt their feelings or I was like, well, this, this should work, but don't feel afraid. If it doesn't work out, it's okay. You can find somebody else. For sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's there's no reason to just be like, hey, you know what? This isn't quite... You have to feel comfortable mm-hmm. with your therapist, your counselor. You, you have to be able to open up to them and make a connection with them. And some people may find that difficult over telehealth. Mm-hmm. And you need to find somebody in person. Mm-hmm. Others may find that that works better for them mm-hmm. and that it's not too, too I guess... Um, intimate Mm -hmm. Um, some people don't want that intimacy they need to be able to be open to them Mm -hmm. but not be too close with them Mm -hmm. Um, so finding what works for you is Mm -hmm. is what you need to do Um, but you need to reach out you need to try to find somebody Mm -hmm. to talk to Um, yeah especially since covid that really was a game changer because a lot of times you know before covid um, there was telehealth but it wasn't near the extent that it is now and so it's really helped grow resources especially for people that are working that can't always get off of work Mm -hmm. to go to a meeting and take all that extra time they could just find somebody and schedule it in the evening or take a lunch break and do a session so that helps with with that as well yeah and and because of the telehealth too you can do in different time zones Mm -hmm. so you can even work it out where normally would not be a time frame that you could get anything done but you could maybe I know that there is a a resource for for perinatal resources uh, in Colorado well that's a different Mm -hmm. time zone Mm -hmm. um, for us and so if there's any moms in our area they would be able to find a time frame that maybe after the children have gone to bed that Mm -hmm. they could be able to talk and that would you know work well for their schedule mm-hmm. um the important thing is is recognizing that there's an issue mm-hmm. um and that even if you think hmm, i might need to talk to somebody then you should go ahead yeah yeah it can't hurt you can try it and yeah if you don't like it wait or try somebody new sure or keep going sure. yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah and just kind of see what comes up i mean most all of us if we get into adulthood and have children at all, then we've experienced some type <laughs> mm-hmm. of trauma and something that we need to work through. Mm-hmm. Um, and if anything, they can at least give you good resources mm-hmm. to be able to work through things in the future. Yeah. So, yeah. Any any last bit of advice that you'd like to, to give our listeners that is dealing with any type of a trauma or really, I mean, what we talk often, and that's what we were just now talking about, is finding mm-hmm. somebody to help you heal mm-hmm. through it. I mean, we really want to focus on that part, not mm-hmm. staying in it mm-hmm. and not just just trying to push through it, but actually working through it, mm-hmm. healing through it, and, and getting on the other side. Um, any words of wisdom that you would like to pass on? Um, well, um, actually... There's a new number now for suicide um, uh, awareness or people that are struggling with those thoughts. And so they actually have just people there available either to call or text to this number. And um, it's 988 now. It's the national number. So anywhere that you're at, if you're struggling with depression or whatever it is, I believe they also help you find somebody Great. that's near you. Good. So that's a good resource for yourself or for somebody else that you're noticing. Hey, you are seeming a little different. I'm noticing. Notice things. People don't think it's so um, attacking if we mm-hmm. say, hey, you're different. You know, that sounds different than I'm noticing that you're, you know, sitting a lot that's more a by yourself. Yeah. yeah like so, um, and people like to be noticed, you know. For sure. So, yeah. Yeah. So 988. Yes. 
anywhere mm-hmm. from any phone mm-hmm. in the United States yes. for sure. Yes. Wow, that's wonderful. Yeah, okay. I was yeah. excited to hear about that. It's yeah, I didn't know new. about that. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. Okay, yeah, we'll make sure and put that on our resources page just to make sure mm-hmm. also. But yeah, if you are struggling at all and having any type of thoughts where it can't wait to see, call. Call yeah, right now for sure. so you could talk to somebody. Yeah, especially sure. if there's a crisis going on and they are, you know, really acting a lot like, man, they might try to to do something, you know, it's okay to ask, ask Can them directly. Can you call directly. for somebody else? I would think so. If they're with you sure. um, or text, say, hey, my friend. A lot of times people say that about themselves. My friend's having these issues. Right, so I'm sure course. they're trained to work through those as well. So you can <laughs> text the number also? Yes. Mm-hmm. That's good to know because yes, I know a lot of different people who yes. don't, don't really <laughs> want to pick up the phone and make a mm-hmm. phone call, but they would text somebody. Yeah, yeah. Um, for sure. So that's great. So anyone out there listening who is struggling at all, please reach out. Mm-hmm. Um, there are resources. There are people that um, are here to help you and um, share with you and sit with you um, and meet you wherever you are um, today. Mm-hmm. So. Thank you for listening. May you be encouraged and strengthened by what you've heard today. Remember, you are dearly loved by your Creator. So be who he created you to be. May you go in peace, friends. Till next time. Shalom.